Ah, oh, come on. Flat Earth again? <laughs> Today we're going to be hearing from Dr. Robert Carter. This is going to be awesome. Welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. guys welcome back uh yeah today we're going to be talking with dr robert carter of creation ministries international uh you guys might recognize that name uh, dr carter uh, appeared in both the is genesis history movie that uh really took off in the theaters a lot of fun if you haven't seen that movie you gotta check that out uh also one of my favorites and guys i've mentioned this on the podcast a few times well a few more than a few times before, um, the book Evolution's Achilles Heels. Guys, if you don't have a copy of that book, you need to get a copy of that book. Seriously, in my opinion, it is the best book on the topic of evolution. If you if you could only have one, something to start off with, this would be that book. Uh, it, it has nine PhD scientists who weigh in in their field on, uh, well, just like the title says, Evolution's Achilles Heels. And each chapter in its own right uh, destroys the idea that evolution could have happened, uh, that we could have arrived here by random chance and not an all-knowing God who designed everything. So uh, he is kind of, he was the one, that was his brainchild, as he even mentions in this podcast. That was his creation. And as you're going to come to find out, uh, there was a DVD, is a DVD, Evolution's Achilles Heels as well. Awesome DVD. Dr. Carter is in that DVD, uh, as well as one of the writers in that book. Um, and as you're going to hear in this video, uh, that documentary, documentary, that video uh, made it to number one on Amazon. Okay. Amazon's documentaries. So, wow. Very cool. Very cool. Now, uh, a little bit more about Dr. Carter. Dr. Carter came to Christ at an early age, was struggling with this idea of evolution. During his freshman year, he was exposed to uh, many of the good arguments for uh, a young earth creation. Okay, and uh, soon thereafter um, became a full-fledged creationist. He obtained his uh, Bachelor's of Science in Applied Biology from the Georgia Institute of Technology in 1992. Uh, he spent four years teaching high school biology, chemistry, physics, and electronics before going to the University of Miami to obtain his Ph.D., in marine biology. Right now, he's uh, currently a senior scientist and speaker for Creation Ministries International, uh, the USA branch. Um, and so <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun. This is not really this whole uh, flat earth topic is not Dr. Carter's uh, topic by any stretch. He's, he's more into um, genetics, marine biology, and these types of things. But uh, this has been something that him and uh, Dr. 
Jonathan Sarfati have been uh, playing with for a while, and this episode actually, there's I'm going to break it into two episodes. These two episodes are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think this might be the last two episodes I do on this flat earth topic for a long time. I think I'm going to let it go to rest for a while because between this episode and the next one, uh, this idea that there's any chance that the earth is flat is going to be utterly decimated. It's going to get destroyed. Uh, This was a really fun time. You know, guys, one of the things that uh, I mentioned in a few previous Flat Earth podcasts, and I just want to mention it again, I you know, I apologize if some of you guys get this, but I, I want you to, if you don't get this, I want you to stop and uh, rewind the tape. Now, back up your MP3, your, your iPod, your phone, whatever you're listening to this on, and listen to it again until you get it, because... This one thing, you know, I always mention in my podcast, there are no silver bullets, you know, for this, that, and the other. Well, this one right here, this one argument, I truly feel is a silver bullet. I have gone into all types of flat earth uh, uh, forums and Facebook pages and posed this question, and not one person, not one has been able to answer this. Not one. Uh, The closest anybody got was, uh, well, I'll explain it here in a minute, but guys, in the southern hemisphere, okay, near the South Pole uh, or or, or, uh, Antarctica, okay, there are stars visible in the sky uh, that you can see all around in the, the southern hemisphere of the Earth, okay? Does that make sense so far? There are certain stars that you can see in the south that you can't see in the north and vice versa. Okay, but here's the thing. On a flat earth map, the uh, north uh, part of the of the earth is in dead center. Okay, if you can imagine this flat pizza, okay, the pizza is the earth. And right in the center of the pizza, where they put that little plastic three-legged thing that keeps your pizza from being... Uh, 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 destroyed when the box, the weight of the box is on top of it, uh, way down on it, and the box <clears throat> collapses inward and destroys your pizza, that would be the northern part of the earth, okay? And then as you travel out from the center, you're now going to be what we would consider, us global earth believers, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the edge of the pizza, okay? That would be the south, the southern, okay? And that crust that's around the pizza that would be the South Pole or uh, Antarctica. So again, on a flat Earth, Antarctica is actually the crust of this pizza. It's the outer rim. Okay, how? How on God's global-shaped Earth? (laughs) No, really. How in the world could anywhere, somebody anywhere on this flat Earth model on the outer rim, again, that's Antarctica. How could they all be able to see the same stars in the sky? Think about that. How could they all see the same stars in the sky? Okay. Um, no, they would be seeing one small portion. If you're just, you know, one little piece of the outer edge of this flat disk, and you're looking up at one little portion of this uh, uh, firmament, this dome, okay, you would not be able to see the same stars in the sky as somebody on the complete other side of this flat disk. Let that sink in for a second. 
It's impossible. Absolutely impossible. But yet when you go down to the southern part of the earth, everybody sees the same stars in the sky. Okay? Vice versa when you go into the northern. Well, in the northern part of the earth, okay, the flat earth model works uh, when you're considering this particular argument. Where everything completely gets destroyed is when you go to the southern hemisphere, mainly closer to Antarctica. Suddenly, wait a minute, you know, that's impossible. That can't work. It doesn't work. Okay? Um, Another thing that Dr. Carter brings up in this podcast that I think is uh, very damaging to this idea is the fact that uh, in a a global Earth, um, flight routes, flights, airliners are able to take routes, uh, you know, because the Earth is a globe, you're able to take shortcuts. You're able to take a the shortest circular route to whatever destination you're trying to fly to. Okay. Um, but on a flat earth, there are certain parts of the planet. Wait, let me back up. Why is that? Why could you take shorter routes? Because you can travel uh, north, west, east, south around the earth. So you can take shortcuts. But if the earth is flat, there's certain points on this map that are really far away from each other suddenly. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? Suddenly you can't just, uh, for example, um, go east from China and end up in uh, you know, somewhere like Alaska, right? You're, you're not going to be able to pull that off. And, and don't get caught up on that specific example. What I'm trying to say is there are certain parts, no matter, there's a lot of flat earth maps out there. Okay, guys, so uh, wh- whatever. If you just imagine a flat earth, there's going to be certain points on that flat earth map that are going to be incredibly far away from each other. But yet, when you look at the flight times, it's actually physically impossible to traverse that many miles in the commercial airliners that we have. You would literally, I mean, as Dr. Carter even says, you would have to be traveling at the speed of sound, okay, to travel those distances. In fact, in many cases, faster than the speed of sound. It's impossible. It can't happen. Done deal. End of story. You could turn the podcast off right now because the earth is definitely a globe. Just kidding. Don't turn it off. There's still more to talk about. So anyway, I've, I've blown almost 12 minutes gabbing at you. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be a really fun podcast. After this, I'm going to drop the subject. By the way, guys, I know I have not been cranking out the podcast like I uh, like I, I want to. I want to be cranking one of these out at least once a week. Um, life has really uh, uh, gotten a hold of me. And is giving me a thorough whooping as of late. Uh, as far as the, uh, I don't know how much you guys know about me. Some of you guys know this. But I actually own and operate two different businesses. You guys probably knew about the one. I started a second. where I, Very similar to the first. But this one I'm not installing security system hardware. I'm selling it online. And that second business has exploded. Praise God. But... That's created a workload that I have never dreamed possible. And now I'm losing my mind. Um, I am starting to take steps to back off. Uh, Along with that, um, I'm going to be teaching uh, Sunday sermons at our church because the pastor has stepped down, not because of any kind of sin issues, but he's moved out of town. 
him and his wife both lost their jobs. They were bivocational. Uh, well, the pastor was bivocational. And uh, him and his wife both lost their jobs on the same week. And then were both offered jobs in the same city three hours away again in that same week. Um, do you think God was involved there? Probably. But they stepped down. They left. Now I'm helping <clears throat> pick up the slack until um, a, a permanent pastor can step in. So there you go. Any uh, Anybody out there who has the qualifications of a good pastor, <laughs> give me a call. Talk to me because uh, this uh, Calvary Chapel that I intend does not have a pastor. And so the elders are taking up the slack. That would be me and two other guys. Um, and so uh, actually I'm going to be uh, starting verse by verse through the book of Romans. So I'll also be posting those as uh, podcasts as things progress here. So I know a lot of you really got into the other verse by verse studies I did in Galatians and Second Peter. So this is going to be Romans. Um, but all that to say, I apologize. I have not been cranking them out like I wish I was. I've even had some people contact me and say, you do a lot of interviews. They're very good. But what happened to those podcasts where you uh, did 100% of the research and, and, and you know did the whole podcast on your own, the solo podcast? Great question. What happened to those? <laughs> My time. It's, it's been terrible. And you know what? Ministry needs to be coming first. So uh, this is something that uh, I'm trying to work out and I'm praying about and uh, things, things need to be cut off, guys. Uh, things need to be cut off in order for me to um, engage in ministry the way that I feel the Lord wants me to. I know some of you are probably thinking of a particular verse from the Bible. Something about serving two masters. Yeah, I know. I know. And so I'm trying to work through this and I'm trying to uh, realign things in my life so that things, uh, so that I'm able to put a lot more effort into ministry. So I apologize there. Anyway, all of that to say, come on, let's get to Dr. Carter. So <laughs> Dr. Robert Carter, welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, uh, today, friends, we're going to be talking about this subject of the flat earth again. Uh, it, it seems to be that uh, this movement continues to grow. Um, there are moments when I'm very surprised at that. Uh, yeah, I can, you know, I can, I can see some of the arguments do appear to make sense until you really start digging deep into them. And uh, uh, that's what we're going to continue to do in this series. Dr. Carter uh, has, uh, well, he works for uh, CMI, Creation Ministries International, um, good friend with uh, Dr. Sarfati that uh, has been on this podcast a few times. And, uh, well, he has a lot to say about the shape of the earth. Uh, in fact, him and uh, Dr. Uh, Sarfati uh, wrote an article about this uh, flat earth issue. It's a great article. You can Google it, look it up. I forget the, the exact title, but if you just uh, Google Dr. Robert Carter and Flat Earth, you're going to find it. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, okay, so let's just jump right in. There's there's so much to talk about. Uh, recently, we just had this solar eclipse, okay, and uh, solar eclipse, that makes you think that the Earth is spherical. What can the solar eclipse tell us about the shape of the Earth? Well, you know, I wrote an article called um, um, Total Eclipse of the Brain, 
it was a little more um, sarcastic than most of the things that I wrote, but I was specifically talking about um, the geometry of the eclipse. Um, in order to get a shadow of a certain size, you need a moon of a certain size and a certain distance. And if you start with the, you know, the typical flat Earth model that you hear that you know, the sun is 3,000 miles away and the, the, there's something else blocking, it's not really the moon to get the solar eclipse, um, you end up with a geometry of something that's really close to Earth, which is impossible because we'd be able to see it. Um, it's not, I, I can't go into the math over the phone, but on creation.com, um, total eclipse of the brain, the math is right there. There's, there are several, multiple things that have to be true mathematically, and when you put those things together, wait a minute, the moon cannot be, you know, 13 miles up in the air. Or whatever's blocking the sun cannot be 13 miles up in the air, and it's you know 64 miles in diameter, or whatever I said. Something, some you know crazy numbers that are that are totally impossible. But that's the only way to get a shadow of that size on the surface of the Earth. Right. That is one example of thousands of the mathematical impossibility of the flat Earth model. Yeah. Now, and and. Uh... I've been seeing that a lot of the more recent flat earth models are saying that the moon and the sun are roughly about 300 miles up. And then uh, just a couple days ago, I saw yet another one that was saying the, uh, the, the sun, moon and stars are more like a thousand miles up. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 go ahead. The reason we have a diversity of models is because they try to explain one phenomenon and someone else is trying to explain another phenomenon, and you get very different answers depending on how you drive towards that solution. The, the I don't want to call it the scientific model, but the, the standard model that, that people have believed essentially always, because there's no evidence of flat earth belief except maybe in Mesopotamia and a couple of those strange places, but almost everyone in earth history, at least since the time of the Greeks, uh, has believed that the earth is a sphere. Um, if you say the Earth's sphere, you can account for all of the phenomenon with one model, and the model is self-consistent, and it doesn't contradict itself when you try to explain something else. That's right. Yeah, as we go through some of these questions today, there's so many. You're absolutely right where there is so many different models to try and explain away different phenomenon. Like, for example, skipping ahead a few questions, but uh, you have the situation where on uh, the, the north portion of the Earth, the northern hemisphere, at night you will observe that the stars rotate, what is it, counterclockwise, versus on the southern part of the Earth, um, you're going to see that they rotate clockwise. Well, on If a you're looking toward the south from the southern half, and if you're looking toward the north, for the northern half. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And that cannot be in a flat earth model. There's no way to explain that. Well, I um, watched one video. I was searching far and wide for somebody that was trying to address that. And I finally found a video of, of somebody trying to address that. And they basically tried to explain it by saying that um, the stars in the southern hemisphere or in a flat earth model are on the outer edge of the, the disk are um, experiencing some type of refraction, some kind of mirror image. And so it's causing them to appear to be rotating backwards. 
which this is called special pleading. Yes, it doesn't make any sense. Invoking magic. (laughs) It's called um, leaving your model um, to to explain something your model doesn't explain and making up something ad hoc. And that is very ad hoc. I mean, if you. But it's typical. This is what one of the one of the strategies that we see here with a lot of the um, the flatter supporters who. By the way, this um, this whole industry, if we can call it that, is is at its root non-Christian. The main people pushing this are, you know, anti-Trinitarians or Nazi sympathizers. And if you dig into um, some of their history, you know, Eric Dubay, Rod Skiba, uh, it'll be actually shocking to most Christians what those people believe. I'm not trying to say, you know, if that person's a heretic, he has to be wrong about everything. But it is wise for the Christian to actually question the source and see why they might be trying to say some things. And this is something that really uh, actually attacks the integrity of the Scripture and the integrity of the Christian brain. But, okay, that's an aside. Um, <laughs> um, we, we argue at CMI, especially in all articles on creation.com, um, that evolution is wrong, that deep time is wrong. We point out that like something like Big Bang Model, uh, they have this idea. But then they realized mathematically and observationally it wasn't making much sense, and so um, this man named Alan Guth invented what we call the inflationary Big Bang model, where after the Big Bang started, suddenly, and I'm not joking, within one quintillionth of a femtosecond, the universe expanded by like 10 to the 70 or 80th or 100th power. Literally, at the snap of a finger, that, it stopped expanding. That happened in my living room the other day. No joke. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> see, in, in science, um, there is no physical law. There's no physical principle. There's nothing to even, – even given the fact – let's say the Big Bang could have happened. I don't believe it, but give them the Big Bang. Okay, so you, you have this big expansion thing. Why did suddenly, after the expansion started, it went into hyperdrive, and why did it stop? And, and this is there's no there's nothing in science to suggest that that would have happened. It's just it literally, they wave a magic wand over the problem, to solve a solution, a solution to a problem that they have, and in a similar way we see in a very um, non-professional way the flat earthers are continually doing that, but they're con- continually stumbling over themselves, coming up with ad hoc nonsensical, self-refuting, and self-contradictory answers to the phenomena that they're trying to describe. May may we as Christians never partake in in those types of things. You know, our faith should be based on facts, on evidence, on logic. It should be logical. It should make sense. We're commanded to study. We're commanded to put two and two together. And our religion is absolutely logical. If you read anything by the Apostle Paul, one reason why his theology is hard to understand is because it's all logical statements. And if you just, just get rid of all the words except the logic statements, if, and, therefore, but, because, mm-hmm. he's making a, a logical argument that sometimes goes on for chapters before he finally gets to the point. That is a thinking person's uh, uh, religion right there. This is not something you can just, oh, yeah, I kind of believe it. No, you've got to actually work through it. The founders of Christianity, the leaders of Christianity for 2,000 years have been scholars. The intellectual elite have given us 
doctrine, uh, the, the Bible itself. Um, we, we would not exist without these people. Our religion would not be the same even remotely without these people. All of these people believe that the earth is a globe. Right. And none of those people thought that there was a contradiction between a global earth and the words of Scripture. So it's not something we can just lightly discard. I mean, if we want to say the people who came before us are wrong, we have the right to do that, but we had better get our ducks in a row if we're going to do that. Oh, boy. We yeah. can't just, because all of a sudden, you know, maybe the book of James doesn't belong in the Bible, or maybe, um, maybe you know, the Gospel of Thomas really should be in the Bible, or Oof. maybe, you know, the Apostle Paul was really was misogynistic, and he really hated women, and, you know, all these other ideas might come in if we actually don't, appreciate the work, the tremendous work, often to the point of bloodshed, that our forefathers in the faith went through to establish what we today call Christianity. Right. Amen. And, you know, when our faith is based on logic, when it is, when it's sound, when it makes sense, that um, paves the way for the gospel to go out. Yeah. Uh, when we, yeah. when we bring in these other ideas that are really it brings a, a, a stumbling stone in front of the gospel and and guys the, the gospel is the most important part of our faith that the, I mean without the, the gospel our faith is in completely in vain I mean this idea that uh, God came down and he walked on this earth he didn't sin a single single time lived a perfect life and he did that that he might pay the debt, and by debt, I mean the sin, all those dirty things that we've done in our lives, lying, stealing, cheating, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain, lusting after the opposite sex, these types of things. He died on a cross. He took the punishment that we deserve upon himself, that we might be uh, uh, brought before God, that we might be righteous before God that we would be saved, that we could spend eternity with God. And um, that is the gospel. And when we start throwing these very bizarre ideas in front of the gospel, we destroy our witness. We discredit ourselves. And people don't even want to hear of this Jesus when they suddenly come to find out that you also believe the earth is flat. Man, you know, it, it's hard enough when people find out that you're you're a young earther. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, you got an uphill battle right there. But even young earth creationism, it makes sense. It's very logical. You can lay out the reasoning behind it, and it makes perfect sense. It's very logical. Uh, Let me throw something at you here. Sure. There is a point at which uh, we have to reject naturalistic science. Mm -hmm. Naturalism, by definition, excludes God from the beginning. Um, if, If naturalism is true, you don't need God. For anything, from the Big Bang till today, God is absolutely irrelevant. Um, biblically, though, that's an impossibility, because we're told God is the creator. Uh, we're told you know, Jesus really did rise from the dead, which is, you know, you know, goes against every law of science we know about. Um, but when we make the distinction between what we can take as scientifically and what we reject scientifically, we're not talking about the boiling point of water. We're not talking about the force of gravity or obvious observational evidence like the sun rises above the horizon. It doesn't swing in from the side. I mean, mm. obviously, the, the earth is curved to, to explain that phenomenon. We make the break between what we call historical and operational science. 
Uh, operational science is what gets us to the moon. It's a technology that allows us to have this conversation and the technology that allows people to listen to this conversation later on on the podcast is operational, what we can know today, science. And it works wonderfully. That science is pioneered by Christians. It was developed under, mainly under Protestant Christianity uh, with, a, with a great foundation laid down under Catholicism during the Middle Ages. Um, it, it, is, it is basically, if you've ever struggled in science class with a horrible formula, the letters in that formula are most likely a Christian's initials. <laughs> we laid down modern science. We developed modern science. It developed under Christian philosophy. And these people were not arguing over what they could actually see. They were arguing over the history of it. So um, the Bible, the words of the Bible would exclude the possibility that the universe is billions of years old. That's a historical question. Now, I've got huge scientific problems with Big Bang, but it's a historical question. And it only happened once, which means we can't reproduce it in a laboratory. The origin of life is a scientific impossibility. And yet, for people who believe in naturalism, that natural process has to explain things, you have to have a spontaneous origin of life or we wouldn't be here. Now, that's a historical question, though. We, so we can, how you say this? You can make a lot of scientific arguments against or for historical questions, but they're a different animal because you can't go back in time and actually know. But today, you can get up in the morning, you can walk out to a clear horizon, and you can watch the sun rise tomorrow morning, and you can absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that the only way to explain that is that the earth is not a, a mirage, that God did not create a universe that is lying to us, that we can actually see, feel, hear, and touch things. And when we observe the universe, the earth is a globe. Right. In fact, that uh, that's a great point. You can watch the sun rise. Now, if the earth is flat, you would see the sun coming far, from far away. So it would appear small at first. It would get bigger, bigger, bigger. Hey, look, it's right upon us. It would be the biggest when it's directly overhead. And then it would start getting further away and getting smaller, smaller, smaller. Well, that's not what we observe. We no, watch it come up over the horizon. It goes across over our head and it curves right back down and disappears over the, the, the western horizon. And in the modern flat earth model where the sun doesn't go underneath the earth but it circles above the earth, the, the sun would not come up. It would circle around from – like if I'm looking south, it would circle around from my left, very tiny – Mm -hmm. And it would curve over my head and get bigger and get smaller. And as it gets smaller, it would curve to the right toward the north again. Right. It is absolutely not what we see. And yeah. anyone can see it and anyone can demonstrate that it is not possible with what we can observe. You know, another interesting thing, if we're talking about sunrises, I live in Colorado. I'm right on the front range. I mean, I can walk out cool. my front door and I can walk five minutes and I hit the very first hill. Well, cool. on that note, if I walk outside in the morning as the sun is rising, before I see the sun on the eastern horizon, I can see the sunlight hitting the tops of the mountains behind me to the west. Now, that alone, that is... You see the sun lighting up the bottoms of the clouds that, um, that are near you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that says, I mean, that beyond a shadow of doubt, that proves that there is a curve to the earth. Yes. Hmm. But when you watch a video produced by one of the Flat Earth supporters, 
there is really they're classic now. They almost all of them I've seen have a similar way of arguing. First of all, they talk forever without saying anything. There are long pauses between their sentences. They fill the gaps with video. And when they finally do say something scientific, it has been so long that you've been watching that honestly it's hard to pay attention when they finally say something that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And they throw enough stuff in there that most people can't think that long. They can't follow an argument for that long before they finally say something with meat on it that we can actually grab and, and say, okay, is that true or not? It's already 5 or 10 or 15 minutes into the video. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get sent – at least once a week, if not more often. Hey, Carter, watch this. And it's a link to an hour, hour and a half long oh. Flat Earth video. It's like, there's not enough time in my life to watch all the Flat Earth <laughs> videos that ever produced, especially the one I've now seen, you know, people have linked me to a dozen times. And so what I do is I say, there's not enough time. I'm going to watch it till I see the first mistake. And it's usually in the first sentence. And uh. it's usually the horizon is flat. Mm, yeah. Yep. And I say, well, duh, of course the horizon is flat. Oh, by the way, why is there a horizon in your flat Earth model? The horizon is only in the global Earth model. That's the point where the Earth curves away so you can't see, see it anymore. There is no horizon on the flat Earth. It, the Earth is so big, I mean, it's like 25,000 miles in extent. You look forever, essentially, until it just diminishes into the haze. You don't get a clear, crisp horizon like we do on Earth as a globe. So they're not even allowed to use the word horizon. As soon as they do, you're caught. Yep. Yeah, another thing I notice is uh, they'll spend a lot of time uh, basically making an argument that goes as follows. NASA said this, or NASA's picture is this. It's wrong. Therefore, the Earth is flat. You know, uh, NASA did this fishy thing. Therefore, the Earth is flat, which simply doesn't follow either. Yeah, what about um, Eratosthenes? What about um, the other Greek scholars from you know, B.C. who mathematically and observationally show that the Earth is round in multiple different ways? They show that the sun is very far away in multiple different ways. They calculated the size of the sun, the size of the moon, the distance of the moon, the distance of the sun. Now, their, their estimates were off because they were looking, you know, using their eyeballs to estimate angular degrees, and if a half a degree error would be like a 20-fold error in the distance measurement. But the point is they had a great conceptual model of the relative sizes and distances of the sun and moon. Right. This is not NASA. This is all <clears throat> of scholarship throughout all of written human history. We've understood these very simple ideas. And we, we but, um, oh, go ahead, sorry. As I, but they try to turn it into a conspiracy. It's NASA. It's the UN. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't need those bodies to tell me what to think because I, I can do it. I can just stick a stick in the ground, and I can tell you the diameter of the Earth. That's fascinating. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. And if more than one person puts a stick in the ground on the same day and they all say, okay, this is the angle to the sun at noon, you know what? They're going to get different angles, and the angles are going to match perfectly to a global Earth model, and they're going to fail miserably on a flat Earth model. Right. So what about uh, <clears throat> what about lunar eclipses? Well, lunar eclipses are, are a lovely and beautiful um, thing that shows us the geometry of the heavens, um, at least of the solar system. In fact, I think it was Aristarchus 
and it, this is sometime BC, um, he observed a lunar eclipse, and he said, oh, well, the, the diameter of the shadow of the Earth at that distance is 2.5 lunar radii, um, and that would, or sorry, the radius of the, of the shadow is 2.5 lunar radii, and if I do use equal triangles and flip it around, they, the, uh, the, there's 3.5 Earth radii, or the, let's say it this way, uh, the Earth is 3.5 times the radius of the moon's radius. And the answer, I think, is 3.53. And that guy was so close. It was unca- I have no idea how close, how he got that close. Huh. By just observing the shadow on the face of the moon, he figured out the relative uh, proportions of the moon and the Earth's size. And then he figured out the distance to the moon and the distance to the sun and the size of the sun using high school algebra and trigonometry. If you've been through ninth grade math, you can do this. <clears throat> Crazy. I, I was... Not NASA. This is this is so far back and so such obvious. Hey, let me tell you another cool one. This is really, really, really cool. When you look at the moon when it's at half phase, it's called a quarter moon. Obviously, the sun is at right angles. If you're looking at the moon, the Earth to the moon and the moon to the sun, and makes a right angle because exactly half the moon is lit up. Okay, yeah. Do it uh, half a month later, and the other half of the moon is lit up. So it's either you know half a moon in the evening pointing at the sun or half a moon in the morning pointing at the sun. doesn't matter. When you look at those two things, you say, okay, the, the Earth to the moon to the sun is a 90-degree angle. Well, if the sun was really close, those two phases would not be half a month apart. Okay. If the sun was really close to make that right angle, the moon would have to be, you know, instead of, uh, see, if the sun is setting, the moon wouldn't be straight overhead. It would have to be closer to the sun in order to make that right angle. But the fact that there's a right angle when the moon is almost exactly overhead and then half a month later almost overhead in the other direction the uh, sun is really far away. Now, I wish that I could show a diagram for the listeners, um, but it's, it's really amazing that this simple idea, this simple illustration, shows us the, moon, the sun is really, really far away because the opposite phases are almost exactly a month apart, which is the angle is so close to 90 degrees that um, it... Well, it's 40 times further away from us than the moon is. How's that? Right. <clears throat> 400 times, 400 times. or what? I, 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 sorry, the, the number all of a sudden escapes me because I'm talking about other things. <laughs> I, should, I, should know, I know that number, and it'll come to me in a second probably. Oh, sure, sure. Um, yeah, that, that, that is fascinating. You know, you would, if, if, if the moon and the sun were only, you know, 300 miles away, um, you would think that from different points of the Earth, if you looked up at the moon, for example, um, you would see different angles of the moon. Does that make sense? If you were to look up with a telescope, you would be able to see, hey, look, we're looking at this, uh, the one side, and you could have somebody on the other side of the planet, the other side of the flat disk looking up, and you would see the other side of the moon but no, when, yeah. when we have it's called parallax, that's right. And if you had multiple people 
uh, on the Earth looking at the moon at the same time, they're still going to see the same thing. You're going to get the exact same view. Why? Because it's really far away. People have done this. Mm -hmm. People have done this. They've got a whole bunch of people outside at different places of the Earth. They measured the angle to the moon at the same time, and they figured out the distance to the moon. There you go. And it worked beautifully. And it's really far away. I'm going to round off 250,000 miles away. If it was close, they would have gotten radically different uh, numbers. Right. Hmm. So changing subjects, uh, flat earthers like to point at the sun, and there's there's kind of this flat, uh, or I'm sorry, the spotlight sun hypothesis that they like to use, this, this model to explain a lot of the uh, uh, phenomenon that we see in the skies. What is this spotlight sun hypothesis, and, and can it be refuted? Oh, yeah, yeah easily. Um, okay, here's, here's the idea. In their model, they have a sun orbiting above the flat plane of the Earth in a circle. Um, they have it pretty close to the Earth. Different people have it at different distances. The problem is that um, if it was a ball of fire in, the, in you know, just a few hundred or a thousand miles up, you would be able to see it from all points of Earth at all times of the day. That, that, that makes perfect sense. Like if, yeah, if the sun was over, let's say, you know, Atlanta, where I live, if I went over to Moscow on a flat Earth model, I'd be able to look over the North Pole up at an angle, and I'd see this little teeny sun burning away in the heavens. There you go. Mm-hmm. Worse than that, okay, so they come with a, no, the spotlight, you know, like a can light in the ceiling. Um, somehow the light only comes in one direction. It only shines down. It doesn't shine sideways or up. It only shines down like a, like a spotlight. Okay, great. So this is this another ad hoc. You know, someone points out a flaw in their argument, and, and they add something else that, that they didn't think of initially. Oh, yeah, well, well it doesn't shine sideways. It only shines straight down. You know, what, what is that thing then? You ever see, um, um, uh, oh, man, what was that movie? The guy in a dome. Oh, yeah, The Truman Show. Yeah. Truman, yeah, sorry, The Truman Show. And he's, he's walking down the street, and all of a sudden his can light falls, and it's so serious. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get killed by the dog star. I mean, I laugh. <laughs> that kind of an idea that there's a spotlight up there shining down. Okay, here's, here's the problem. Here's how Even if it was a spotlight, you'd still be able to see it from Moscow when it was shining on Atlanta. Because light refracts in the atmosphere. That's right. When the sun is up, the entire atmosphere is blue because the sun might be you know, straight overhead, but the blue light, even far to my left and far to my right, all the way down toward the horizon, is bouncing around so much in the atmosphere that's actually coming at me from a direction where the sun is not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blue light refracts like crazy in the atmosphere, which is why the whole, the whole atmosphere lights up blue when the sun is up. Even after sunsets, actually, you can still see the light scattering. Well, you'd be able to see that all over the Earth. There's no way around it. Or if not the entire Earth, it would be a huge uh, area much larger than um, than the sun supposedly shines on. There's something else that's a big problem. Uh, I can't explain it well enough, but on my uh, refuting flat earth article on creation.com i put up a couple of maps that i made on the shape of the the spotlight and what it has to do because you see during the summertime in the southern hemisphere all of antarctica experiences 
sunlight all day long. While all of the Arctic Ocean, the Arctic area of, of the north, experiences no light all day long. What spotlight can make – now, in their flat Earth model, Antarctica is a ring around the, the Earth. Yeah, yeah. How does the spotlight sun light up all of Antarctica at the same time? Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a major problem. It's an impossible problem. You can't get a round spotlight to make a, a, a ring which turns into a smile, which turns into exactly half of a circle at the equinoxes, which reduces to a circle during the northern summer. Yeah, that's that. That would yeah. be completely impossible. Uh, you know, along with that same idea, <clears throat> again, if 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 you know, if listeners, if you can imagine like a a pizza, <laughs> and uh, right the center of the pizza, this is your flat Earth pizza, of course. Right in the center is your is your uh, North Pole. That outer crust of the pizza, the outer ring, uh, that is the uh, South Pole right there. That's your. Well, no, no, that's Antarctica. There's oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a good analogy. I like that. The pizza. And the pizza. And from. And the sun's a giant pepperoni in the sky. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to get hungry. Um, how in the world? Okay, but, but but you know what? You know, okay, we 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 have diverged here, onto logical and scientific arguments against the flat Earth, and they don't work. That's right. They don't convince a person who believes in a flat Earth, because. The Bible supposedly says that the Earth is flat. And if the Bible says the evolution is wrong, if the Bible says the Earth is in billions of years old, well, you know what? I believe those things. The, the, what the Bible says, oh, you know what? The Bible says the Earth is flat, therefore the Earth is flat, and you are a heretic, and you're not a Bible believer if you're trying to tell me that the Earth is a globe. Right. That's their argument. Um, it, the it, problem, and, I, and, and I can respect that. At least they're trying to go to the scriptures first. The problem is yes. they're, they're using bad hermeneutics. To, to draw out the shape of the earth from the scriptures. That's right. Now, one indication, no significant theologian for the last 2,000 years believed the earth is flat. That's a huge indication right there that we better be careful. And two, the people who are trying to convince Christians of this actually aren't Christians. <laughs> I mean, the two guys I mentioned earlier, I mean, one of them uh, thinks that if you believe in the Trinity, you're a heretic. That, by definition, means you're not a Christian. I mean, why is this person trying to tell me what the Bible says when he doesn't even understand one of the foundational things in Christianity? That, that's not Rob Skiba, is it? Yeah, that's Rob Skiba. Oh, I did not know he denied the Trinity. I didn't know that. Oh, well, you, you have to dig. Um, he's, got, he's got enough out there on his, his videos and other pages. Um, he, he would say he believes a Trinity, but when you actually dig into it, uh, he would deny that the Holy Spirit is a person. And he calls the majority view that, you know, one God of three persons, he calls it heresy. And he says, if you want to believe what 2,000 years of Christians have believed about the Trinity, you're a heretic. Huh. But you, I'm sorry, that, that is not Christianity. The, the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit can be grieved, the Holy Spirit is referred to as God. The, I mean, how yep, much yep, more do yep, you need? Yeah. Huh. Well, but that's just it. Um, there's enough people out there who are persuasive, who you know seem like nice people, and you know what? They just want a fan base, and they'll get on some soapbox, 
and they'll ring that bell. You know, mixing my metaphors here, but they'll they'll you know bang that gong as much as they can, um, even if they're wrong, because they they crave the attention and frankly the the YouTube monetization of their of their videos because they become very wealthy when you have three or ten million people watch one of your videos. Hmm. I, I think I, million people watch one of my videos. <laughs> I know. I think we're both in the wrong business here. We need to start making flat earth videos. At least, you know, we you know, see all everything these... that's true out there for every true proposition. There is a series of YouTube videos arguing that it's not true. Sure. That is dangerous. Mm -hmm. It makes it very hard for the average person to say, Oh, how do I, you know, you know, and, and when you, when you watch these people, they're persuasive, they're passionate, they're, man, it sounds so good. And they give you so much gobbledygook that it would literally take you years to unthink all the gobbledygook. <laughs> and so pick a topic. It's out there, and it's some person who's trying to argue that it's not true. And, and man, it makes it really hard today, we, you know, our high-technology civilization, and yet we don't know anything. It, it, is, it is a really surreal position to watch the disintegration of the modern uh, person's brain. You, you know, um, speaking of, of logic and, and denying logic and uh, going back to my tasty pizza, um, I have posed this question on many different Flat Earth forums. I have yet to have one person give me an answer. Uh, I've had a lot of people call me names and attack me personally, but I've yet to have a single person explain this if you're on that outer ring of crust other otherwise known as antarctica and you look up in the sky how in the world could you possibly see the southern cross from anywhere on that crust ring <laughs> anywhere on the on the outer ring of the flat earth you're able to see the southern cross now on a globe model yeah of course you know yeah, the, the southern cross is is, is there that uh, the Southern Hemisphere, most of the Southern Hemisphere can see it, um, but on a flat Earth model, it would be impossible to be able to see it anywhere on that outer ring. Because each one of those stars is probably in a different wedge. <clears throat> you know, if you draw, draw a grid in the, in the heavens, like mm -hmm. the line, longitude and latitude lines on Earth, you know, put those in the sky. Well, you know, if I go straight south from New York City, I hit one star. If I go straight south from Moscow, I hit a different star. That means those stars actually would have to be totally spread apart in the heavenly vault. They can't be next to each other. That's Correct. really cool. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely impossible to be able to see that Southern Cross from anywhere around this flat Earth uh, okay, outer ring. Okay, here's the problem. Most people don't know what the Southern Cross is. Most people don't go outside at night. Most people don't think through these things. Most people don't really wonder about how things work. Yeah. And, and um, one of the problems with this is you've got to get off your computer and you've got to go outside and look at something and think, okay, what does that mean? And instead, <laughs> people are trusting sources of information that are bad sources of information. Um, I, I had a, I was talking, actually I've been to this church twice now. Um, there's a, a church that I've been to where the pastor doesn't believe in the moon landings. Mm -hmm. He believes, you know, he doesn't believe in flat earth, doesn't believe in geocentrism, you know, doesn't believe in millions of years, but he doesn't believe that we went to the moon. And I told him, I said, this is, you would be unfair to your congregation 
You cannot have a, a view like that if you haven't thought through it. Because I mean, we've interviewed on our, um, on our, our website, um, in fact, he's in our uh, upcoming uh, movie on, uh, called Alien Intrusion. We have a video of him on a Flat Earth um, uh, article, one of the pioneers in the American space program, the man who pioneered the, the first soft landings of anything on the moon and whose work pioneered or paved the way for the later Apollo landings. The man is a dedicated Christian. He would have to be a rotten, filthy liar. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. If that man's lying, what does this mean about Christianity in general? Yeah, yeah. Who's, who's a Christian? How can you know what a Christian is if, if someone of, you know, of this caliber whose faith is amazing, his testimony is fantastic, if he's just... You know, not just lying, but being deceitful lying, and he's part of the you know the world government conspiracy and all that kind of stuff. No, this is not true. <laughs> you, you would also you would have to lump in uh, Colonel Jeffrey Williams. Yep. Uh, yep, yep many yep. of the astronauts were Christians. Uh, you yep. would, uh, and what about all the uh, various Christians out there that have sent satellites? up into space, uh, one of which, yeah. uh, Dr. Uh, Jason, or I'm sorry, Jason Pratt, that I've had on the podcast a couple times, he's sent many satellites up into space. We have um, one of our speakers in our uh, CMI's Australian office. Uh, um, is, is, his career was sending satellites into space for Australia, and a lot of his satellites are still up there working for Australia. Huh. I mean, just... You know, that gets into the geocentrism argument also. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is much, much easier to scientifically refute and biblically refute a flat earth. Geocentrism is a little harder. Yeah. But we can use basic physics to show that it's not right. Because we know how much you know, rocket fuel to put into a rocket to generate so much lift to get up off of the earth. And we know how much rocket fuel it would take to get something to a certain distance away at a certain speed based on the idea that the planets go around the sun. If the Earth is unmoving and um, the, the sun is going around the Earth, and the you know, Earth is a globe here, and everything's going around the Earth, anything beyond the, the orbit of Neptune is traveling faster than the speed of light. <laughs> and yet we have sent things beyond the orbit of Neptune. We know how fast they're moving in the heavens because they're not actually going around the Earth. The Earth is in uh, gravitational balance with the other heavenly bodies as, as we generally orbit the sun, and the sun flies through um, near space at some rate in some direction. I mean, everything is moving, and everything is balanced by gravity. And we, we can know this is true because of our space program. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. Next week, we're going to hear the second half of this interview with Dr. Robert Carter. Again, his ministry, Creation Ministries International. Guys, awesome ministry. Very cool ministry. Check them out. Their website's fantastic. They have lots of articles. They have a ton of speakers. They have uh, locations all around the world, all around this globe-shaped earth um (laughs) so in fact he uh, even makes some jokes about that throughout this podcast where there are certain tests that uh, he can do with uh, some of his other uh, uh, colleagues in different parts of the world Uh, anyway uh, tune into that and then after that guys i have some other podcasts lined out 
and then, of course, be looking forward to hearing some verse-by-verse through the book of Romans as the weeks progress. Uh, guys, please pray for me. If I can ask for anything, please pray for me. Uh, pray that God directs me and helps me to uh, get this house in order as far as my two businesses and ministry. Okay, I, I, I would love for the businesses to fuel these ministries, okay, so that they would be 100% free, but I don't want the businesses to run my life. Uh, I, what I really need is to raise up some individuals to take over uh, the businesses and basically operate and run them uh, while I simply handle matters like, uh, I love marketing, guys. I love marketing. Uh, these types of things. Dreaming and taking the business to the next level and helping with the marketing, but I don't want to get my hands dirty in the day-to-day uh, part of the business. I want to be spending at least five, six hours a day on ministry-related things. That's what really matters. So guys, please pray for me. That's my direction. That's my goal. It's time. It's time. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm a little burnt out on the work thing. And I, I just feel it in my soul. I want to get going full-time, full-time in the ministry. So... I, I covet your prayers. And with that, I really hope to be seeing you guys next week. <laughs> Love you guys.